How many people know the words to this little light of mine? Little song. Let me see your hands. Just all right. You now you may not know all of the verses, but we're going to make them available to you because we're going to sing it right now. And because it's relative to what our uh, message is today, and uh, I just want us to all get going, not just because it's relative to the message, but because it's going to get your blood pumped up here this morning. It's early, and sometimes, you know, we tend to doze off, not, not that I'm going to be boring, but we tend to, we tend to doze off and, and uh, start thinking of other things. I want us to concentrate on this message today because though it may be simplistic to some because, uh, you know, so, some people are way, way ahead of others in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of what God wants to do in our lives and wants to do for us, it's always good to be refreshed about what God has stored up for us and to be reminded of what it is that he needs us to do. Not just to glorify his name, but it needs to be done for us. It needs to be done for us. God's love is all about what he wants to do for us, right? So if you would, If you would all please stand, we're going to sing this upstanding. Now, we don't have any instruments behind us, but guess what? The original instrument. Come on. And you're going to join in for it. This is all a cappella. This is the way they sing in the Church of Christ. No instruments except our hands. Amen. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Oh, everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, everywhere I go, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine all in my house. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, all in my house. I'm gonna let it shine. Hallelujah. All in my house. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I'm not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it shine. I'm not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it shine. Oh, I'm not going to make it shine. I'm just going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, 
let it shine. Okay, we gotta finish big here. Loud in the dark. Oh, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, out in the dark. I'm gonna let it shine when I'm out in the dark. Oh, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay. Okay. I don't want to get you so excited that you'll be bouncing off the wall, so you can have a seat, please. The book of John, chapter 3. Uh, chapter 1, rather, 4 through 13, talks about the light who came into the world. So let's read there. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We also have another scripture, and that's Genesis 1, 3 through 5, regarding the light. And it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Evening and the morning were the first day of the creation. We know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the first thing he did after creating the heavens and the earth was to create light that was the first day that was the first day so apparently light is of importance to the Lord isn't it it was the first day and what did he create light here was this creation which according to the word had no form it was just a lump, if you will. It was dark, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. And then he created light. 
let there be light. And there was light. And he spoke it into existence. Let there be light. In the book of uh, Revelation, I jump from the very beginning to the very end. In the book of Revelation, the description of the holy city that will be created at the end of all ages is coming down from heaven to the earth. And it says that there is no need for the light from the sun or the moon to light the holy city. There's no need for that. The glory of God lights it up. The glory of God is so powerful, shines, that there's no need for the sun. We think the sun is the ultimate. There's no light like the sun. (laughs) No, there isn't. It's greater than the sun. And that's God's glory. And it shines so that nothing else was needed to light the holy city. Have you seen the dimensions of the holy city? In the book of Revelation, it describes it. It's a huge structure, a cube, but it's big, bigger than anything we could imagine. It's in, the description is there. And God's glory is going to light up this entire thing so that no further light is necessary. That's where we're going to dwell. That's where all those who are God's are going to dwell. And they've got all the light they need because God's glory is going to light it up. Have you ever been in a place so dark that you can't even see your hand in front of your face? You try to look and you try to see your hand, nothing, nothing, just so dark that there is nothing you can see. How did that feel? If you have been in such a a situation, did it infuse a feeling of control on your part or did it produce a certain apprehension? Did you feel comfortable trying to walk out to the sides or walk in front of you or whatever, not knowing exactly where you were going or if you might stumble on a piece of furniture or some other obstacle? Did you feel secure just walking out in that darkness? And then remember the moment when that light was turned on? Didn't it produce a sense of relief in you because you could see everything that surrounded you now? If you remember the moment, perhaps you remember if that moment brought a smile to your face when the light was... Let me tell you why I'm saying that. Because it probably did. It probably did. And that's the effect light has in our lives. It'll make you smile. It will make you laugh. It will bring joy. It will change you coming out of darkness into a light. And that's the effect that it would have coming out of that darkness in a room, they flip on the light. Wow, I can see again. I don't have to be guessing where I am, how far I am from the wall, if I'm going to fall down, hit my nose, hit my head, whatever. I don't have to do that because now I can see. Now I can see there's light. 
This is great. I can see everything around me. Verse 4 says that God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. From the very beginning, there was a separation of the darkness from the light, and it has been so ever since. Isn't it strange that darkness creates apprehension and fear in some in, in some people, because darkness can shroud many things. Darkness can cover, what is it, a ton of sins. Darkness can hide so much. The Bible says that sin, sin loves darkness. I believe it may be because darkness encumbers detection. It makes it more difficult for the wrongdoer to be seen. Isn't that, isn't that the scene that we see in movies where they want to show somebody hiding a, a mal criant, as the French say? They also invented the word croissant, which I love. But the mal criants, the, the criminals, the wrongdoers, they hide in the darkness. They walk, they walk along the walls. They hide behind things where it's dark because they can't be seen. They can't be easily detected. That's why they love the darkness. That's why sin always embraces the darkness because it can't be seen. It can creep up on us and just take over before we know what's happening. The darkness, the darkness is a terrible thing to fall into. But if all we have known is the darkness since we were born or since we were growing up, then we don't realize how bad it is where we're walking, where we're living, where we've been, what we're doing. We don't realize how wrong it is, how bad it is, until we see the light, until that light shines on that darkness and reveals the wrongdoing, the badness of the darkness. That's why Jesus Christ came into the world as the light of the world. Do you know that Einstein once said that darkness is the absence of light? In other words, darkness is the product of withholding the light. You can measure light but darkness is not measurable because it is the result of how much light there is or isn't. You can't measure darkness. You can only tell how dark it is by how little light exists there. Alluding once more to the dark room where you can't see anything, isn't it true that when the room goes dark, we try, we try anything to see more, to detect anything by opening our eyes more in the darkness. Tell me if it isn't true. You find it dark and you open your eyes more to see if you can capture some, some little bit of light to use to, to see where we are. To see where we are. We open our eyes. But you know, regardless of whether you squint or whether you open your eyes as wide as a raccoon, you can't see any more than the light that might be there. That's how much light you're going to see. 
Your eyes are not going to determine how much light is there or how much you're going to capture from that darkness. Your eyes aren't the ones that made it dark. There's everything else around us, right? It's exasperating not to be able to see. And that is the whole point of this message. Jesus came to earth as the light of the world. When we come to the knowledge of the word of God, it produces light in us for Christ is light. Jesus is telling Judas, not Iscariot, that he and the Father will come and dwell in him who obeys the word of God. He's saying in John 14, verse 24, that he does not speak his own will, but that of the Father. He was in constant communion with the Father and therefore conveyed all that God would have the disciples know and do in order for them to be in compliance. He was telling them, this is what my Father wants. This is what the Father says for you to do. This is what God has stored up for you. He was in constant touch with the Father. As you recall, as we read the, uh, the words of Jesus Christ or where it's describing him in, in the red letter words, he is in prayer as often as he, can, as he can segregate himself, as he can go off by himself. He would go off and pray, sometimes all night, and just pray. And that was communing with God. He was with God constantly. And it was what the Father was putting in him and telling him that he was sharing with them. And he's telling them, these aren't my words. This is what God wants you to know. This is what God has for you. Listen. Listen to it. Listen to my Father. It's for you. It's for your own good. So I'm not telling you just what I've made up. This is what God has told me to give you. The song I had us sing here at the beginning of the service says that everywhere I go, I'm going to let it shine. From where would we have gotten that light? How did we acquire it? The word is that the only way we can get it is to have Jesus and the Father dwell within us. Then there's light. It emanates from us when he is in us. Oh, we can get a flashlight for the illumination or, or carry a lantern uh, to light our way. But we're talking about a spiritual light. We're not talking about a physical one. We're talking about the light that is the spirit, that is God. We're talking about the light that came into the world that is Jesus Christ. John 14, 21. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
right? So it's pretty clear where that light wants to go. It's pretty clear who sent the light. It's pretty clear what he wants to do with it. In verse 23, Jesus says that he and the Father will come and dwell with him who keeps his word, his commandments. Now, this is not brain surgery or even rocket science. But God has made it quite simple to understand. God does not indulge in legalese. If we open our hearts and ears to hear the process that takes place, we will hear it. We just have to make ourselves available and he will reveal what he's trying to tell us. Without going into deep theology, without going into really complicated phraseology. No, no, no. He's going to make it easy for us to understand. The, the Bible describes God as God is love. How tough is that? Well, you, understand, you have to understand what love is. You have to understand who God is. You have to understand what he does, what that love does for us or to us. God is love, simple, and yet very deep. If, as we know it to be true, if Jesus is the light of the world, and he and the Father come and dwell with those who love Jesus, then that light must shine through us, for they dwell within us. Can we agree on that? Can, do I hear an amen? Thank you, Joseph. Or did I hear two amens? Amen. Oh, more. So, if they're dwelling in us, there's light coming out of us, right? If they dwell in us and they are light, there's light coming out. There's light coming out all over us, through the pores, through our mouth, our eyes, our ears, everywhere we're giving off light. We're walking as Moses did when he came down from the mountain. Remember what they had to do with him? He had to put a shroud over him because he was glowing from having been in the presence of the glory of God. It got all over him. Wouldn't that be great? Can you imagine to be in the glory of God and then come down and you're glowing? <laughs> Look at Rudolph. Only it was the glory of God, not a fantasy. What I have been trying to establish is the fact that we, as we are blessed with the light of God, there is now a decision we must each make about what we will do with that light. Remember that in order to obtain the light, we first had to receive Jesus and keep his commandments. This brought the light to us. And I'm using an awful lot of repetition of the light because that's the way the Bible teaches us. You know, when I was growing up and we met for school under, under a tree because that's how far back I go, and we were learning our math by counting little rocks and sticks and whatnot, Two plus two is five, and so on. All of the other truisms. When we were learning, we learned by rote, right? 
We learn by repetition. Two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, eight plus eight, I don't know what it is. We, that's how we learned. We repeated everything until we learned it. Repetition. That's what God is doing here. Not that he doesn't think we don't have the capacity for remember after once or twice, but he wants to make sure that everyone gets it. All of us get it. If you got it on the first time around, wonderful. Help your neighbor. He can't. Help your neighbor to learn it as soon as he can too because it's good for him. The faster we all learn, the more room we make for new knowledge to come into us. And that light has everything we're supposed to know and to get and to have and to use and to be blessed by. A Boy Scout's motto is be prepared. Simple, isn't it? Just be prepared. And someone might say, well, yeah, of course we need to prepare in order to do things. You know, that's a duh moment. The Boy Scouts are taught to build a fire without a lighter or having kerosene or lighter fluid. That's not so simple. That separates a whole lot of guys from the boys. Boy Scouts, anyway. This, isn't, this is part of the preparation in case the Scout finds himself in an emergency situation. You know, at least a couple of things come back to mind that we had to do to, uh, to build a fire. We, we tried the little stick trick, right? Rubbing it back and forth, back and forth on, on another piece of stick to create the friction that built the, the heat, uh, that created heat, and then we put little fluffy stuff on it and, and start a fire. Very few guys ever started a fire this way. The Native Americans could do it. I don't know where we couldn't, but we went to the flint and stone, right? Hitting the metal until it created those chips and, and it sparked the fire. But they could start a fire without fluids and kerosene and gas and all of those, the other stuff we use today, that little, that little uh, gun, right? Everybody's got those now. Have you got a lighter? No, but I've got, got this, you know. Well, what do you do after it runs out of fuel? <laughs> that's not going to do anything for you <laughs> try this one <laughs> and if that doesn't work <laughs> carry matches but we're prepared you have to be prepared you can't just acquire light from nowhere you have to be prepared first of all to receive it and then learn how to use it now, before we uh, proceed with our responsibility regarding the light, let's look at some scriptures that talk about light. For example, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 tells us this. You, you are the light of the world. Wow, it's a new title for you. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Why would you want to do that? Well, that's exactly the point they were trying to make here. God was telling us, you don't light a candle and then put it under a cover, put it under a lamp, a, a basket, so that nobody knows 
where you are, where that light is, how are they going to follow it? Save, save the fuel. Save the tallow that it's made from. Save the wax, whatever it's made of. Don't waste it if you're going to cover it. But on a lampstand, that's where it goes so that it can give off the maximum light and be the most effective from a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house, it says. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify. Oh, there's another interjection there. Your Father in heaven so that you can use it and it will glorify your Father in heaven. So now it's not just so that we can shine, but so that we can shine in a way that God gets the glory. Isn't that wonderful? We've been given an opportunity to glorify God. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And do this, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. When did these words get spoken? Over 2,000 years ago. We're 2,000 years nearer to our culmination of our salvation. We're 2,000 years closer than we were when they were uttering these words. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Wow. Get that darkness blanket off of you and take on that light and be a different person. Be a force to be reckoned with. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, all of the negatives. Don't walk in those. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Put him on you and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Now look at Ephesians 5, 7 through 14. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. They're talking about wrongdoers, evildoers. For you were once darkness. Wait, wait a minute. You were once darkness? Nah. I can't believe that. Was there anyone here walking in darkness before the Lord Got a whole Reuben, you were? Doggone it. I'm glad not very few of you were. What about the rest of you? Where were you? <laughs> All right. I see more acknowledgments <laughs> coming up. Truth has a hard edge on it, doesn't it? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Wow. What an admonition. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, 
and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out what's acceptable. What is God like? That's what I want to do. What does God like to hear? That's what I want him to hear from me. Where does God want me to go? That's where I want to go. What does God want to accomplish through me? Then that's what I'm going to want as well. I want what pleases God. Give me that light. Let me get out there. What did the prophet say? Send me, Lord. He didn't know. He didn't know what he was getting into, did he? And sometimes we're afraid of what we might be getting into. But you know what? We can't be hesitant about that. God's calling is a great thing. If God calls us, he's also going to give us the peace to say, you know, if I die, I die. If I'm exalted, I'm exalted because you're going to exalt me. If I get glory, it's because it's your glory. If I keep on going, it's because you're keeping me going. Whatever happens, it's because you are in control, Lord. And that's where I want to be. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. So once we leave that bog we were walking in, that darkness, that mist that didn't let us see, once we leave that area, we are not to go back to it. For anything, don't go test it and see if you can overcome it. You couldn't overcome it the first time. Where are you going to overcome it the second time? You're not to overcome it. God is. He wants you elsewhere. What are you doing over there testing the water again? Don't you remember what it did to you? Why are you back there? Do you think you're strong in your own strength? Do you think you are wise in your own wisdom? No. It's all God. It's all good, but it's because it's all God. But rather expose them. Expose what's in that darkness. You know what's in there? I don't want to go back in there. That's where I came from. I'm now over here where the light is, where you can see what's going on. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. In secret. Why do they do it in the darkness? Because they don't want anybody to see what they're doing. Because they don't want anyone to find out what it is they're doing. Because they don't want to be exposed as wrongdoers. That's why they're doing it in secret. But all things that are exposed exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light so there's darkness going on over there and there's evil doing going on over there and there's subterfuge afoot over there and there are things going that shouldn't have been going on and then all of a sudden you shine the light on it and it's exposed and now people know what's going on there and now you can say wow And guess what? That's where I was so that you don't feel so high and mighty. That's where I was. I was doing that. My goodness. Man, I'm glad I'm out of there. Let me help you get out of there. Let me help you. Come here. Let me show you this light that came to me. Get out of there. Come here. 
You can't do that until you're out of the darkness. You can't help somebody else over there if you're in the darkness with them. It's only once you've got this light that you can call somebody out to come and enjoy the light that Jesus is, that Jesus has been to you, that God has been to you. That's when you can call people out and help them get out of there. I believe these verses in the book of Ephesians are very important because they show the gist of this whole message. What are we to do once we get lit up? You remember when lit up used to have another connotation? Boy, that guy is really lit up. <laughs> All night long, you know. He said it was NyQuil, but I don't think so, yeah. Not with a couple of cubes of ice in there. Uh -uh. But he was all lit up. Well, now, when we get lit up, we're lit up by the love of God. We are lit up by the light of God, by the presence of God, by the power of God. That's when we get lit up now. And it's a good lit up. Do we get the light just so we can see where we're, go <coughs> where we're going? Boy, made me choke up. And don't stub our toes just so that we can walk better? Do we get the light and keep it for ourselves uh, as a sort of a reward because we have been so good? <laughs> is that what it's for? Is that why the light is to come to us because we are so wonderful? I often make reference to Mr. Wonderful, you know, when, when I'm trying to, to get the ladies to, to get, you know, who uh, motivated to do something. I call him Mr. Wonderful. Are we so wonderful that we deserve the light of God? We never have deserved the light of God. It wasn't because of us. It was because of him wanting the light for us. Wanting the light to do a work in us. That's why we got it. It was never about us. Never. I believe it would be uh, asinine to think that we got the light because we deserve it. So there must be some other reason for us to be blessed with the light. And I'm convinced that just as a, a military soldier is trained in survival, protective as well as aggressive methods of warfare, the Christian soldier must also be prepared for spiritual warfare. For example, in the whole armor of God, it includes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. King David said in Psalm 119, the longest, the longest psalm in the Bible, verse 105, let your, wor uh, your word rather is a lamp to my feet and a light to my spirit. Your word I can see with your word. I can see where I'm going. I can see where I'm supposed to be going because of your word. The sword represents protection against our enemies. With the sword, which is the word of God, we can help our brothers in the faith through prayer, through counsel, through admonition, instructions, etc., etc. We can help others but we've got to have that light first. A good example of the use of light to help others is the lighthouse. Think about the lighthouse. 
The first record of a lighthouse built for the purpose of helping others is in the Pharos of Alexandria, which was built around 300 BC by Ptolemy I of Egypt. It was built to help guide ships into its harbor and was the pattern used by all lighthouses from there on. It was a huge structure, wonderfully built, beautiful, really solid and built not for its own glory, but to help others. There are so many stories about how many ships sailing through storms were led to safety or led from destruction by seeing the light from a lighthouse. Imagine this, the darkest of nights, the one I described where you couldn't even see your hand in front of you, and a ship is on the ocean, bobbing up and down on the waves. Darkness surrounds them, and they're using the stars, hopefully, to guide them in the right direction. Then all of a sudden, way off in the distance, they see a little beam of light, and now they know which way they're going or they need to go, and it's brought a certain relief to their hearts. Now they know where they're going. They see that light way off. And all of a sudden, it seems that their worries are lifted. We know where we're going now. Okay, aim for that light. That's where we're going. That's where we want to go. That's where safety is. That lighthouse. Thousands of stories of men, ships, being brought to safety rather than destruction on rocky shores and dangerous places because there was a lighthouse someplace that gave light to them to follow. Just as the lighthouse represented safety to lost mariners, we can be the light that will lead the lost to the Lord. The light that we shine is giving the word of God to the lost. The Father through the Holy Spirit does the work. We just bring them there. The light didn't bring the ship and put it on the harbor. It led the ship to the harbor. The harbor then took care of them. But the light showed them the way. That's who we are supposed to be. We're all to be the lighthouses. Using the word of God, that light, to draw others to the safety of Jesus Christ, the safety of God's love, of God's power, of God's mercy, companion to us all. Let's read what Acts 13, 47 through 52, tells us about being the porter of that word, of that light. And it says, on the next Sabbath almost, the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. 
For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles. Here's the lighthouse is Paul. A light to the Gentiles that they should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. That you, pardon, should be for salvation. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to uh, eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. What does light do when you shine it on, when you turn it on? It spreads out as far as it will go. It's going to be really bright closer and closer. And, and it diffuses a little more as it goes out further and further. But there's light out there. And it grows. And it covers a big area. And people can see it. And they did. And they were glad for it. The Gentiles. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the Lord. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women. And the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Get away from here. We like the darkness. Take that light out of here. It's blinding me. Wow. That's a rejection, folks, that's going to cost them a lot. That's a rejection that anyone that turns away that light is going to rue the day they said, get away from here. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what the light does. It brings joy. Wherever it goes, it brings joy. What did I say earlier about when the light goes on, a smile comes on your face because you're relieved that you're no longer in the not knowing area of darkness. You no longer have to guess what's in front of you. You can see it. You can see it and evade it if you need to or embrace it if you need to also. Do you remember where that phrase comes from that he says they shook off the dust from their feet against them? When Jesus sent out the disciples two by two and he told them wherever you received Stay there, enjoy the fellowship, bless them, heal them, teach them the word. But if they don't receive you, wipe the dust off your feet and go on to the next one. That's what they were doing here. Just as someone was faithful to pray for us and bring the knowledge of salvation to us, we must now be the bearers of the good news to others. When Paul and Barnabas were not received by the Jews, they didn't fold up their tent and go home. No, sir. They packed it up and went to the Gentiles who were more than happy to hear God's promise. Similarly, we are to take the promises of God to those who will listen, to those who will receive the free gift of salvation. That was already paid for by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That salvation was already paid for. 
You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to do anything from your finances. You don't have to give up your money because, it, you know, uh, we are about that. How much? A dollar? <laughs> Tithe? <laughs> what do I get for it? Salvation. Okay. But it requires that we go to them and not sit here at home and wait for someone to bring them to us. What if the Apostle Paul had just waited in Jerusalem and set up shop there waiting for people to come and ask him about Jesus? Hey, what about this? Well, what about the guys in the other parts of Israel that weren't in Jerusalem? What if he had just sat there and stayed there and waited and, you know, asked me about Jesus? Would he have been the light to the Gentiles that he became, that God had purposed for him? If he had just sat there and waited for someone to come up to him. I've got light. Light for sale. Come and ask me about light. The lighthouse wasn't built for it to receive the glory for its work. The lighthouse was there to bring the lost into the safe harbor or to lead them away from the danger of rocky shores. In like manner, we are to lead others to the safety of God's word, to the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. We are to shine the light in the direction of Jesus who will do the work he has purposed for each of us. And if we do this, then what? After we have done all that we are called, all that he was called to do, Paul told his disciples in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm going to be leaving soon, not on a ship. He wasn't going to be going on a, you know, a camel train. He wasn't going to be going in some other mode of transportation. They were going to decapitate him. He was going to die an ugly death. Why? Because he didn't reject Jesus Christ. Because he was faithful to the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown, crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Who loves his appearing? Let me see a show of hands. Who loves his appearing? Almost all of you. Loved his appearing to all of those who have loved his appearing, there's a crown of righteousness. Now, what Paul was describing was not a metallic gold crown that he was to receive, but rather the approving words of our Lord as shown in Matthew 25, 21, that says, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. 
enter into the joy of your Lord. There's the crown. There's the crown of righteousness. Enter into the glory, into the joy of your Lord. You did well. You stood your ground. You didn't cave. You didn't fold. You took my word out there. You showed you love me. You kept my commandments. You love me. Come on in. Come on in here. This is for you. We've got a place. We've got a place for you now. So will you, will each of us who have the light of God within us also hear those words from Jesus? Will we? Will you also be found faithful of having borne the torch of God's truth and light to the lost? Will you be the light of the world as all believers have been called to be? Will you fight the good fight, run the race, and keep the faith? Will you? Only each of you will know that. Only each of us knows that, and God. He's the one that has to utter the, the words. So he's the one that has to know what our hearts are saying, what we have done. And he does. He does. His capacity to store information about everyone is interminable. There is no limit to it. It's huge. It's beyond our comprehension. But that's okay. That doesn't matter. It's knowing what each one of us has done. That's all we need to know. You don't have to know what he's done, what he's done, what others have done. We just need to know what he's done. That's all that matters. What have we done? Did we help him get there too? Did we take that light and help others get to Jesus Christ? That's what we need to know. That's where we need to go. So, will you be found faithful at the end? My admonition, my encouragement to each of us today is don't let that light within you be extinguished because it can be. We can falter. We can fall. We can fail. It's up to us. We start depending on us, we're going to fall. We're going to trip. We're going to... The other day I fell out in front of the church. <laughs> I, was, I was walking rather quickly and, you know, there's a little rise as you come up to the front over there and, and that screening is a little slippery, especially I was wearing leather sole shoes. I just slipped and wow, fell down all the way down, almost hit my nose on, on the ground and I got up laughing because, man, that was stupid. <laughs> How did that happen? To me? Moi? <laughs> How did I fall? Just as I fell there, we can fall spiritually. That's even worse. See, I got up from that one. Sometimes a spiritual fall, we can't get up. We need to, we need to avoid those falls. We need to prevent those falls and not go back in that darkness where we fell all the time. We need to stay over here in the light 
And we need to pay attention to it, which is what I should have been doing. But I was in a hurry. I was trying to help something, and, and I didn't pay attention to what I should have. We all have Jesus Christ to guide us. We all have Jesus Christ to lead us. We all have the light available to us to show us where we have to go and how we have to go and when we have to go and how much. It's all for us. And it's there. By his mercy, by his love. Amen? Don't let the light be extinguished. Let it shine let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. If you would all please stand up. We're going to thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for this wonderful morning. I want to thank you for the encouragement, Lord, that your word is to us. For that light Father, that you sent us in the form of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Thank you, Lord, that you shined it on us. Undeserving as we are, Father, you shined it on each one of us and brought us out of that darkness to live, really live the life that you have for each one of us. That, Lord, when it comes to being judged by the righteous judge, we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless everyone here today with that presence. Bless everyone here today with that light. Move in our hearts that we will know what it is we need to do with that light and what it is we want to and will do with it other than just gorge on it. That your name may be honored, glorified, and exalted above all names, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's sing to God. Guess what they're going to play?
let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.